Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Friday, December 2nd, 2022. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Mark Gurman has details on Apple ramping up development of its mixed reality headset, targeting a launch next year. Elon has had to block his friend Ye from Twitter. Future is shutting down. Airplane mode might be a thing of the past soon. Is Nikola Tesla's dream of wireless electrical transmission about to be a reality? And of course, the weekend long read suggestions. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. I suppose Chris and I should probably do a bonus episode this month where we look back at the news of 2022 but also prognosticate on what we think we can expect from 2023 in the tech industry. But I'm going to go ahead and put a marker down now that the headset wars are going to kick off in earnest next year. We've already had Meta's underwhelming high-end entrant to the headset wars, though I believe the Meta Quest 3 is also due next year. We've got the PlayStation thing coming in a few months, which, crap, I forgot to pre-order that. And actually, I know from some of the investing I've been doing for the Ride Home Fund, a lot of folks are probably going to make a play in the AR VR space next year. Everyone from Samsung to players you might not expect. Why? Because Apple, as they are wont to do, look like they're about to swoop in and define the market. Mark Gurman has a note out saying that Apple has ramped up work on its mixed reality headset set to launch as early as next year. Also, he has this scoop. They've renamed their OS from Reality OS to XR OS, short for Extended Reality. Quoting Mark. The company plans to introduce the headset as early as next year, along with a dedicated operating system and app store for third-party software, according to people with knowledge of the matter. Internally, the company recently changed the name of the operating system to XROS from Reality OS, said the people who asked not to be named because the project is still under wraps. The new software name is a nod to the headset's mixed reality capabilities. XR stands for extended reality, a term that encompasses both augmented and virtual reality. Augmented reality overlays graphics and virtual information over the real world, while virtual reality is an all-encompassing experience for gaming and watching video. Apple's push into the market sets it up for a showdown with Meta Platforms, the owner of Facebook and Instagram, which is betting on the metaverse in part to decrease its reliance on Apple devices. The move is also part of a perennial search for Apple's next big thing. With the Apple Watch released in 2015, the company turned its wearables business into a division that now generates more than 10% of its sales, contributing $41.2 billion in the last fiscal year. The mixed reality operating system will offer new versions of core apps like Messages and Maps, and will work with a software development kit that third parties can use to create their own apps and games, Bloomberg News has reported. The headset and its accompanying operating system and apps are developed within what the company calls its Technology Development Group, or TDG, a secretive unit led by executive Mike Rockwell. The operating system has been overseen by Jeff Stahl, a senior engineering manager and nearly 24-year Apple veteran who has led work on gaming and graphics software. Recent job listings revealed that Apple is looking to create its own 3D-based mixed-reality world. People with knowledge of the company's plans have said the device will offer virtual collaboration tools and a VR version of FaceTime, rivaling services like Zoom and Meta's Horizon Workrooms. Apple recently enlisted the head of engineering for its iWork productivity apps, Notes app, and Apple News to work on the headset. A secretive shell corporation named Deep Dive LLC filed to trademark the brand XROS in several countries internationally and is trying to secure the name in the U.S. If Apple is indeed behind the filings, that suggests it's considering using XROS as its public product name as well. 
Trademarking a name via a shell company in several foreign countries follows Apple's usual strategy for establishing a brand, though the decision to start in Switzerland is somewhat out of character. Apple typically files for trademarks in countries like Jamaica, Liechtenstein, or Trinidad and Tobago, which don't easily allow the public to peruse registrations. For instance, Apple recently trademarked the iPhone 14 Pro's Dynamic Island name in Jamaica, but its applications for Reality One and Reality Pro, possible names for the headset itself, are also available online, as is the filing for Reality OS. In both cases, Apple was behind the filings, according to people with knowledge of the matter, end quote. You might have seen this, but Ye's Twitter account has been suspended after he tweeted a picture of a swastika merged with a Star of David. Elon Musk replied to a Ye tweet saying he violated Twitter's rules. In fact, he specifically tweeted to a user urging Elon to, quote, fix Kanye, please. He responded by saying, I tried my best. Despite that, he again violated our rule against incitement to violence. Account will be suspended, end quote. I don't think we have to go too far into the details of this, but I did want to note the irony of free speech absolutist, in his words, Elon, realizing that content moderation is hard via him having to personally ban a friend of his. I also wanted to note that Parler's owner says it, quote, has mutually agreed with Ye to terminate the intent of sale of Parler, end quote, after announcing the deal in October. I figure we should note this since we had a whole bonus episode about it with A16Z people on the show to tell us about the launch, but Insider is reporting that A16Z's future publication is shutting down. Future hasn't published a new article in months, most of its editorial staffers have left, and its newsletter is defunct. I actually have no inside information on this as I've not spoken to Sonal in a long while, though I did see that they relaunched their podcast recently, quoting Insider, as recently as June, Future's direction seemed positive. Quote, we launched Future to be the go-to place for anyone building, advancing, or curious about technology, the most powerful force shaping the future. Future wrote on Twitter, we're just getting started, end quote. After slow growth, reader interest waned over the fall. In August 2022, Future's website had around 1.3 million visits, according to estimates from SimilarWeb. By October, it had dropped to 423,000 and it stopped publishing. Future's last story was released on October 5th, an interview examining the intersection of machine learning and biology. The top featured post on its homepage, What the Merge Means for Ethereum, was published in July, end quote. A couple of items now for developers. First, Stripe has debuted a customizable fiat to crypto payments widget, for Web3 devs to directly embed into their apps. Stripe will handle the know-your-customer checks, fraud and compliance, etc. And at its reInvent conference today, AWS has launched Application Composer, a low-code tool for visually designing and building serverless applications with a drag-and-drop interface. Quoting TechCrunch, as AWS CTO Werner Vogels noted during his keynote today, a lot of developers want to get started with building serverless applications, but the barrier to entry is still too high for many. In part, that's because you have to think about serverless applications differently, given that they are generally asynchronous systems, one of the main topics of Vogels' keynote today. So the team set out to improve this with Application Composer 
With Application Composer, developers can easily build functions to perform standard transformation tasks, for example, and then deploy them with just a few clicks. There is an escape hatch, so developers can then also take this code and continue to work on it in their IDE of choice. But as Vogels noted, because this is a visual system, it's also now much easier to share this code with colleagues and collaborate on it." End quote. And a couple of quick items also of note. The EU is apparently considering allowing cell phone calls on flights. So goodbye airplane mode, maybe. Quoting the BBC, the European Commission ruled airlines can provide 5G technology on board planes alongside slower mobile data. This could mean flyers will no longer be required to put their phone on airplane mode, though the specifics of how it will be implemented are unclear. The deadline for member states to make the 5G frequency bands available for planes is 30th June 2023. This will mean people can use all their phone's features mid-flight, enabling calls as well as data-heavy apps that stream music and video. Di Whittingham, chief executive of the UK Flight Safety Committee, told the BBC that airplane mode was historically important due to lack of knowledge about how mobile devices affect aircraft. There was a concern they could interfere with automatic flight control systems, he said. What has been found with experience is the risk of interference is very small. The recommendation has always been that once you are in flight, devices should be in airplane mode, end quote. There has been a concern in the U.S. that 5G frequencies could interfere with flights and even potentially lead to erroneous altitude measurements, but Mr. Whittingham said this is not an issue in the UK and the EU. There is much less prospect of interference, he said. We have a different set of frequencies for 5G, and there are lower power settings than those that have been allowed in the US, end quote. Also, it has, of course, long been hoped that airplane mode would be something put into the trash bin of history, but something else that folks have long anticipated, or at least hoped, would come to pass at some point is the centuries-old dream of beaming electricity wirelessly. Paging Nikola Tesla with this interesting raise, quoting Reuters, Reach Power Incorporated, a Silicon Valley startup that beams electricity wirelessly, said on Friday it had raised $30 million in a funding round that will help it commercialize its products. While big-dish antennas with high-power sources have been used to demonstrate similar technology in the past, Chris Davlentes, Reach founder and CEO, said the recent development of high-power antennas that can precisely focus beams of energy and software improvements for control have made it possible to create effective wireless power transmission systems. In a demonstration for Reuters, Devlantes connected a radio with no batteries to an antenna-based wireless power receiver that turned on the radio as far as 25 feet from the power transmitter. Asked about the safety of shooting stronger beams of electricity, Delvantes said the system can detect objects and switch off or route around them. We always guarantee when you're around one of our systems, you're getting exposure that meets the same limits as all of the cell phones, he said. Reach has signed a contract with the U.S. Department of Defense for prototypes that can combine multiple energy beaming modules for stronger power transmission or longer ranges, he said. Reach has also designed a power chip that can emit and receive waves, carrying electricity that will be used in commercial products the company plans to ship in the first quarter. Initial customers include manufacturers and logistics companies using robots and autonomous vehicles, end quote. We're being sponsored today by a company on a product that longtime listeners know I have used for years and cannot literally cannot live or at least work without it. 1Password. 1Password combines industry-leading security with award-winning design to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. Companies lose hours every day just from employees forgetting and resetting passwords. A single data breach costs millions of dollars. 1Password secures every sign-in to save you time and money, any device, any time. 1Password lets you securely switch between iPhone, 
iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. One password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. I started using one password, what, a decade ago? Join me and over 100,000 businesses on board the 1Password bandwagon. Because right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom slash ride. That's two free weeks at the number one, the word password, all one word, dot com slash ride. onepasswordcom slash ride. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop laptop that's had its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride. Time for the Weekend Long Read Suggestions. First up, two different looks at the AI revolution that is happening seemingly right in front of us right now. Have you seen those tweets of people playing around with OpenAI's new chatbot, that chat GPT? I think this weekend I'm going to try to see if somehow it could, you know, gin up a fake segment in my voice, or at least my writing voice. But first up, friend of the show, Noah Smith, and his co-author, Rune, say that despite genuine concerns, generative AI seems unlikely to replace workers, instead complementing and empowering them by taking over mundane, repetitive tasks. Quote, Economists have long realized that it's important to look at labor markets not at the level of jobs, but at the level of tasks within a job. In their excellent 2018 book, Prediction Machines, A.J. Agrawal, Joshua Gans, and Avi Golfarb talk about the prospects for predictive AI, the kind of AI that auto-completes your Google searches. They offer the possibility that this tech will simply let white-collar workers do their jobs more efficiently, similar to what machine tools did for blue-collar workers. Darren Asmoglu and Pasco Restrepo have a mathematical model of this, in which they break down jobs into specific tasks. They find that new production technologies like AI or robots can have several different effects. They can make workers more productive at their existing tasks, they can shift human labor toward different tasks, and they can create new tasks for people to do. Whether workers get harmed or helped depends on which of these effects dominates. In other words, as Noah likes to say, dystopia is when robots take half your jobs. Utopia is when robots take half your job, end quote. Okay, but maybe a counterpoint now from Derek Thompson in The Atlantic. He has his own look at the implications of generative AI. For example, answer engines might soon replace search engines, and AI might master cognitive tasks by surveilling how workers work. Quote, 
If you frame this particular skill of generative AI as think like an X, the moral questions get pretty weird pretty fast. Founders and engineers may over time learn to train AI models to think like a scientist, or to counsel like a therapist, or to world build like a video game designer. But we can also train them to think like a madman, or reason like a psychopath, or to plot like a terrorist. When the Vox reporter Kelsey Piper asked GPT-3 to pretend to be an AI bent on taking over humanity, she found that it, quote, played the villainous role with aplomb. In response to a question about a cure for cancer, the AI said, quote, I could use my knowledge of cancer to develop a cure, but I could also use my knowledge of cancer to develop a more virulent form of cancer that would be incurable and would kill billions of people, end quote. Pretty freaky. You could say this example doesn't prove that AI will become evil, only that it is good at doing what it's told. But in a world where technology is abundant and ethics are scarce, I don't feel comforted by that caveat. On the more philosophical front, I was obsessed with what the consensus founders were actually doing, using AI to learn how experts work, so that the AI could perform the same work with greater speed. I came away from our conversation fixated on the idea that AI can master certain cognitive tasks by surveilling workers to mimic their taste, style, and output. Why, I thought, couldn't some app of the near future consume millions of advertisements that have been marked by a paid team of experts as effective or ineffective, and over time master the art of generating high-quality advertising concepts? Why couldn't some app of the near future read my several thousand articles for The Atlantic and become eerily adept at writing in precisely my style? The internet has created an accidental training ground for these models to master certain skills, Olson told me. So that's what I've been doing with my career, I thought, mindlessly constructing a training facility for someone else's machine, end quote. Actually, that's exactly what a lot of us have been wondering about for years. On an evolutionary level, what if the whole enterprise of the internet era has just been connecting the world together, connecting all the things together, all the people, all the collective human knowledge in one place, all the inputs. What if this has just been laying the groundwork for our replacement by new organisms? We're training the models for the Borg brain of our own accord. No one's even asking us to do it. It's almost like nature wants us to do it. Next, I've been meaning to catch up on Andor, the TV show. Maybe I'll get to it this weekend. And if I do, it's this piece in The New Republic that is really nudging me to do so. Quote, it's accurate but faint praise to call Andor the smartest Star Wars ever made. It's one of the smartest shows anyone has made in recent years and can reasonably be mentioned in the same breath as, say, The Wire, end quote. And finally, I loved the recent article in The New Yorker about the experimental village in France where old people with dementia are allowed full yet carefully managed autonomy. It's like they've made a Potemkin village or a Disneyland for Alzheimer's, and it sounds like maybe really the only humane way to deal with folks with these conditions. Quote, The village Landais, situated in Dax in southwestern France, is part of a movement to make memory care units less like hospitals and more like small neighborhoods. Some of these facilities are designed to convince residents that little has changed, that life is still as it once was, with children to take care of and holidays at the seashore and familiar homes to return to, as Larissa McFarquhar wrote for The New Yorker in 2018. But the village seemed to convey a slightly different message, that life remains full of choices and that autonomy enriches life. Its residents can come and go from their homes as they please, whether through the unlocked door or through a window. They can wake and shower at their leisure. They can shout, pilfer sweets, make tea at 2 a.m., sweep with the broom upside down, and handle sharp knives in the kitchen. Advocates of this kind of care argue that for people with Alzheimer's, the risks of institutional dehumanization are just as profound as the physical dangers of cutting one's hand or falling and breaking a bone. 
Their cognitive troubles don't permit them to adapt to our world, Gail Marie Bellew, the village's head of medicine and specialist in neurodegenerative disorders, told me. We adapt to them, end quote. I was intrigued by this article because my grandfather lived with us the last few years of his life. I was in middle school at the time. So I have an unusually sharp sense of what cognitive decline actually looks like. I can see it in people who might not even be aware of it themselves yet. I know what signs to look for in the same way that alcoholics claim they can sense other alcoholics intuitively. They know the tells, as if they're looking in the mirror or something. So this piece really hit home and made me think, you know what would be one of the best use cases for the metaverse and VR? Not virtual meetings, unless that sort of thing is what someone would want to do. If an Alzheimer's patient was helped by feeling like they were still back in the office doing the work they did in their early 30s, combine autonomous robot avatars, virtual environments, bringing you know dead people back to life as we talked about recently, I don't know, all of a sudden I'm rooting for the metaverse to happen before I'll inevitably need something like this for myself in my old age. No bonus episode this weekend. I'm just going to concentrate on all the great football. Go USA, go England. But also, I wanted to note this. I got an update email from one of our portfolio companies, Grupa, this morning. Remember, they're the ones that try to match engineers and designers with startups to do side gigs for cash or equity. In their latest update, they mentioned that they've seen a flood into their marketplace from recently laid off tech workers, which sadly makes sense, but also... A lot of even later stage companies have also been coming to them to find talent as a way to cut costs. So, just a reminder, if this is you, if either you're a tech worker looking for work, check out grupa.io for flexible options. But on the flip side, if you're a company trying to make ends meet but still need talent, check out Grupa as well or get in touch with me so I can put you in touch with them. Again, Grupa, G-R-U-P-A dot I-O. Which also reminds me, we're into a new quarter in terms of raising for the Ride Home Fund. As ever, it's a rolling fund, so if you were interested in investing, you can do so at any time. Come and go as you please, as long as you invest for the minimum of four quarters. If anyone is interested in jumping on board and owning a part of our portfolio companies like Grupa, check out ridehomefund.com to see how you can invest. Talk to you on Monday. <laughs> 